I hope everybody got a copy of the notes tonight. We are covering the ministry of the Holy Spirit, talking about what it means to be Spirit-filled in our lives. This theme is all throughout the book of Acts as we see the ministry of the Holy Spirit at work in the church as it's getting started and as it's growing and as it's going forward. And in our church, we need the Holy Spirit at work in each and every one of us if we are going to fulfill God's calling in our life. Last week, we started in part one of the ministry of the Holy Spirit for serving. And tonight, we're going to talk about another piece of the serving ministry of the Holy Spirit. Last week, all that we talked about was the fact that the Holy Spirit calls us into service. He's the one that says, I have a job for you to do. The Holy Spirit is also the one who empowers us for His service. He gives us the strength that we need to do His work. I don't know about you, but uh, the first time that you begin to step out in service to the Lord, and maybe the second, the third, the fourth, maybe you're still scared about it, it can be a very scary thing, right? The, when you go to share the gospel with somebody and invite them to church or tell them about Jesus, it can be scary. When you get up to teach a class or, yes, even to preach on a Wednesday night, I still feel those butterflies in my stomach when I get up to do this. It can be a scary thing to think even about when you hear people around you in society saying things that are wicked and wrong to want to respond back to them when you hear the Lord's name taken in vain or something else. I'm so thankful that the Holy Spirit who calls us into serving the Lord, into service for the Lord, also empowers us to do that service. But tonight we're going to talk about several more ways in which the Holy Spirit helps us in our service to the Lord. Jesus said this in John chapter 15, For without me ye can do nothing. And when he left his disciples, he told them that he would leave with them his Holy Spirit who would help them to fulfill what God had called for them to do. In Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, he says, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is the one that gives us power to do what God wants us to do. So tonight, stay with me. We're going to look at a number of different passages of Scripture. I've put the references in your notes. The verses themselves will be on the screen. But I, I will try to give you time so you can turn in your Bible as well to find them and maybe write down some of the notes around that so you can go back and refer to this and study this out more for yourself. Because I truly believe if we could grasp the ministry of the Holy Spirit and really live in the Spirit's power each day, it would greatly improve not only our walk with God, but also our service to Him and what we see God do in this world. Number one tonight, we're looking at this idea that the Holy Spirit enables us for service. He enables us for service. The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, in verse 13, For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of His good pleasure. It is God that gives you the will, gives you the desire of what He wants you to do, and then He also gives you the 
ability, the enabling to fulfill what He has called you to do. Go ahead and turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. We'll get there in just a moment. I'll give you a little head start so you can be turning there. I want you to think about this, that with God's calling always comes God's enabling. God will never call you to do something that He does not also enable you to be able to do. And that's one way in which we can be confident about God's calling in our life because if God calls you to do something, He equips you, He enables you to do it. Somebody said it this way when it comes to finances, what God orders, He always pays for. What God orders, He always pays for. And when God calls us to do something, He also enables us to do it. There are many people that walk around saying, well, I think maybe God is doing this, or I'm not sure, but God might be doing that. If God has called you to do something, He will also enable you to be able to accomplish it. Because here's the reality. Serving God is beyond what you can do. You cannot serve God in your own strength. All ministry is beyond you and me. Bringing life change is bigger than human ability. You and I may have intersected with somebody else and helped them out in a moment, but to bring true life change is something that is a work of the Holy Spirit. The needs of people are beyond your capacity to meet. I can't meet everybody's needs and neither can you. It is much easier for many people to focus on the small stuff of life. Now, let, me, let me just do these little things, what I can do. And, and so we try to ignore or turn our focus away from the big spiritual matters. You might have a neighbor and you say, well, they're never going to change. A family member, there's no hope for them. You might even look at a spouse or a child and say, I don't know how anything could ever change them. Well, you're right. You and I may not be able to change them, but God can. We must have the enabling ministry of the Holy Spirit for service if we're going to fulfill what God has called us to do. If the Holy Spirit leads you to witness and calls you to witness, which He does, He will give you the courage and the words to say. If He leads you to teach, He will enable you to communicate effectively. If He calls you to give, He will enable financial provision. This does not take away our own responsibilities to be good stewards with what God has given us, to develop the talents and abilities that God has given us. I remember several years ago, I was serving in Cuernavaca, Mexico, and I went on a trip with some of our other folks there from the church down to Tlapa, which is in Guerrero. It's in the southern part of Mexico, up in the mountains. And they had asked me to preach in the church, and I had prepared some messages in Spanish, and so this was after I'd been there quite a while, and I was feeling pretty confident to be able to preach in Spanish. I was feeling very confident, that is, until I opened up my Bible and realized all my notes had disappeared. They'd fallen out somewhere along the way, and so I opened up my Bible to preach my sermon in Spanish, and I had no notes. I was scared. You know, I thought, well, I've prepared. I've done everything I can do. And I'm thankful to say that night the Holy Spirit helped. I was able to speak not maybe the greatest message ever, 
but the Lord helped me to communicate in a language that's not my first language and be able to communicate in a way that people understood. And they came up and said, wow, praise the Lord God used that. That happens in English too sometimes. Sometimes you can work hard to prepare a message or a lesson or something else and feel very inadequate to present that message to your audience. And yet the Holy Spirit enables His work to be accomplished. There have even been times out sharing the gospel with people in the neighborhood and you talk to somebody and, and you feel like you're just stumbling over your words and yet God is working in their heart and He's using it. Because when God calls us into service, when the Holy Spirit calls us, He also enables us to do it. You're in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look at verses 3 through 5. Listen to what the Apostle Paul said, who we would say was one of the greatest Christians who ever lived. He said this, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I'm so thankful that God uses earthen vessels broken clay pots to do His work. You know, a broken pot isn't good for much. It doesn't hold water. It all just leaks out. But God has chosen to put this gift, this treasure, the Bible tells us, His treasure of the gospel in us, earthen vessels, that it, we would be to the praise of His glory. Paul doesn't come in saying, well, I preached the greatest messages or I was the most eloquent person or I had the greatest methods or abilities. He said, I was with you in weakness and trembling. Why? Because he was there in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. And he gives the reason. He says that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If your faith is in anybody besides Jesus Christ tonight, it's in the wrong place. That's why God uses people like you and people like me to do His work. Paul said it wasn't the mighty and the great ones of this world that God has chosen to use. He's chosen the weak things of this world to confound the mighty. So if you're here tonight and you feel inadequate for God's service, you feel weak and unable to do it, you're in good company. If you felt adequate, if you felt like you had it all together, you would really be missing out on the reality of your inadequacy. Because without Him, we can do nothing. Look over with me, if you will, at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 10. Continuing on with what I was just mentioning there, Paul says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. 
always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body. When you serve God, it doesn't mean it will always be easy. Right? Paul in the previous passage said it was in, in weakness and in trembling. Now he says, we are troubled, we are perplexed, we are persecuted, we are cast down. All of the struggle. But even in being cast down, he says, we're not destroyed. In being perplexed, we're not in despair. In being persecuted, we're not forsaken. This is good news tonight. We have God's Holy Spirit as believers to help us to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. There is great human frailty and inability described in these verses. So instead of running in fear and intimidation from serving God, let the Holy Spirit encourage you. As Paul encouraged Timothy when he said in 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 8, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Don't be afraid to do what God has called you to do. You are not adequate to accomplish it in your own strength. You need the Lord. But God's Holy Spirit has promised to enable us to be able to accomplish what God has called us to do. We're talking tonight about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how He enables us for service. We've seen that He calls us. We've seen that He empowers us and that He enables us for service. Number two in your notes, the Holy Spirit gives boldness for service. The Holy Spirit gives boldness for service. We looked at this verse a few weeks ago on Sunday morning in our study in Acts. Acts chapter 4 verse 31 says, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. With boldness. Timidity is not a gift of the Spirit. The Spirit of God compels us to service. When you see God at work in your life and you truly know that He's changed you, you won't be able to help but tell somebody else about it. Don't push that back. Share that good news. What God has done for you and in you, God can and will do for somebody else. Share your testimony. Many today are limiting the Holy Spirit's power by saying, well, I want to be careful not to offend. Well, I hope that your mannerisms are not offensive, but share the message. And if the message offends, it's because it's truth. And truth is like a knife, it cuts. And for some, it does come across as offensive because it's truth, and sometimes the truth hurts. But truth is also helpful because the Word of God is that is sharper than any two-edged sword. It pierces even to dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That's not always a comfortable process. Surgery is not always enjoyable. 
and yet when the proper surgery is performed in the proper way, the right results come out of it. Speak God's truth, and as Ephesians says, speak it in love. And let God take His truth and work in people's hearts and lives to change them for His glory. When you have the Holy Spirit, He will give you boldness to speak out the truth of God's Word. The Holy Spirit enables us. He gives us boldness for service. And number three tonight, the Holy Spirit engages us for service. He engages us for service. Perhaps by now you're thinking, well, I realize that I've been called to serve the Lord. I want God's power and I'm sensing a new courage to serve God and the Holy Spirit, but, but for what? How do I know specifically what I'm supposed to be doing? As we get into this study in the Holy Spirit in the coming weeks, we're going to speak even more specifically to that. How do I know exactly what it is that the Holy Spirit has called me to do? I hear what you're saying. We are to serve. We're to do what God tells us to do. But what is that? Right? Help me understand what that is so I can do that. So this is where the compelling nature of the Holy Spirit becomes very personal as the Holy Spirit engages us for service. God has a mission for you to accomplish. He has a specific purpose for your life and He intends to make that mission clear. He has a specific place where He wants you to plug into His work And it is the work of His Holy Spirit to make the details of what you're supposed to do very clear so you can obey Him. I want you to look at an example of this in Scripture in Acts chapter 8. Here we read about a man by the name of Philip that God directed exactly where He wanted him to go to the right person at the right place at just the right time to fulfill a specific purpose that God had for him. Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 29 say this, And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south, unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, an eunuch of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship, was returning, and sitting in his chariot read Isaiah the prophet. Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. The Holy Spirit here directed Philip to go to a particular location at a particular time and for the express purpose of meeting this man who was in a chariot traveling. I mean, what a... What a uh, connection of events here for all of this to work out, to meet a guy who's passing by and be at just the right place at just the right time so that he could get with him. And Philip ended up sharing the gospel with this man. And this man trusted Christ and then was later baptized and went on to serve the Lord. You see, I believe God's at work in each and every one of our lives to put us in just the right place at just the right time to speak to just the right person, to point them to Jesus. And God uses all kinds of things 
to fulfill that purpose in our life. You know, God has equipped you with a special set of skills that other people don't have. You have a particular set of gifts and talents, abilities. You have education, perhaps, or maybe you don't. You have a background. You're a certain age. You're a certain height. Everything about you, God has a plan for it, and God can use it to help you to meet the right people at the right time to be able to point them to Jesus. As I look back even in my own life, it's wonderful to see how God uses all kinds of things and experiences to do just that. Whether it's a series of events that puts me at a particular place at a particular time that I look back and say, you know, there's no way I would have met that person except for all of these things coming to pass. I said, wow, God must have intended that for a reason, for a purpose. Sometimes it even seems like God slows us down from things we're trying to accomplish, only later to realize, wow, if I hadn't been slowed down, and I would say when God's doing it, He's not really slowing down. It's just He's working on His timetable, and we don't always understand that. If it hadn't been for that situation, I would have never had this opportunity. Paul even described the Holy Spirit as binding him in the Spirit. Over in Acts chapter 20, in verse 22 and 23, Paul said, And now, behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there. Paul's writing here about, as he's traveling on his missionary journey, he says, I have to go back to Jerusalem. And the people were actually warning him, saying, Paul, don't go there. It's dangerous. There are people trying to arrest you. And sure enough, that's what they did. But Paul said, I'm bound in the Spirit. He says, I don't know what's going to happen there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. So the Holy Spirit's using my imprisonment for His glory and to get the gospel out. And, and that's exactly what happened as Paul spent time in prison as he wrote some of those letters that we read today called epistles in the Bible. And God put Paul in prison so he had time to write some of those things. Paul brought him across certain people like Onesimus that he would have never met had he not been in that prison at that time. Here was a slave who had run away from his owner and he'd been in prison, thrown in jail. Paul meets him, leads him to the Lord and then sends him back to Philemon with a letter to encourage the church meeting in Philemon's house. Paul describes this as the Holy Spirit binding him in the Spirit. This is not to imply that free will is removed from the matter, but rather that the Holy Spirit is so compelling him to do what God wants him to do that he knows to do anything else would be sin. To do anything else other than to obey the leading of the Spirit would be to disobey God. One of the times that this happened in my life that I can look back very clearly on is when the Lord moved our family back here to Houston to start the church. It was in May of 2016. I'd grown up here in Houston, just a couple miles, three or four miles up this way. And um, I remember as a teenager thinking about serving the Lord in ministry and praying that direction, but not knowing what or how or where, thinking the world's a big place. Why would I come back to Houston? Not that Houston's a bad place, but the world's a big place. 
The Lord moved us, moved me other places. My wife and I met and got married. That was clearly the leading of the Lord I'm thankful for in my life. And then after moving us up to Indiana to serve for several years, I can remember as distinctly as if it was yesterday, sitting there in a, in a pastor's seminar and being challenged about serving the Lord and stepping out by faith and praying about church planting. And the Holy Spirit burdened my heart with the need to come and, and through a series of things, spending time in prayer and spending time talking to my wife and, and my pastor, really God confirming His will in my life. And I remember a few months later, on a plane flying down here to Houston to meet with some of the area pastors to ask for support and to ask them to pray for us. I remember flying in over the city and seeing all the lights as I was coming in the evening and God just burdening my heart again with the need to reach this great city with the gospel. I knew after that point that I had to obey the Lord and come because to do anything else would be to disobey Him. You see, when God calls you into service through His Holy Spirit. He enables you to do it. He empowers you. He gives you boldness. And He also engages you in the particular place of ministry that He wants you to be. Perhaps you're in that place right now and you don't even realize it. Perhaps God has put you where you are with the neighbors you have, the co-workers you have, with the children that you have, in the situation that you are, because that's exactly where God wants you to be. Serve Him faithfully. And as God leads, He may move you along. And God does that with people. He's moved us here, there, and everywhere. But as He leads, make sure you're following the leading of the Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? I think sometimes our greatest struggle with God's will is not knowing what it is, it's rather obeying what we already know that He's told us to do. God's clear in His Word about what He wants us to do. He's told us that we're to read His Word, to study it, we're to pray. We are to share the Gospel with others. That we're to be involved in the process of making disciples. If we would commit ourselves to being obedient to God's revealed will to us, I think we could also be very confident then that if God is moving us and doing other things with us and say, what specifically am I supposed to do? God will make that clear along the way as well. As the scripture said in the Old Testament, as Eliezer was looking for the, the wife for Abraham's son, he made this statement, I being in the way, the Lord led me. If you'll walk in obedience to the Lord and what he tells you in his word, he will lead you where He wants you to be. The Holy Spirit engages us, but He also unifies us for service. The Holy Spirit unifies us for service. What does this mean? Well, in the New Testament, we read that the, the work of God was done as people of God came together to fulfill His purpose. The Holy Spirit calls us, He empowers us, He enables us, He emboldens us, He engages us, but He doesn't send us out to work alone. God's pattern for His work is that His people serve together. The New Testament term for these teams or groups of believers serving together is 
the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones who are called out to serve God together. And it's impossible to honestly approach the New Testament pattern of ministry and exclude the local church. I'm thankful for Christians from a variety of churches cooperating together to do various work. And we've seen God bless in that here in helping to start this church and helping to start other churches and in supporting our missionaries around the world. But God does His primary gospel ministry through the local church. When we work together with other believers in the power of the Spirit, we are stronger together. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 3 through 6, it says this, endeavoring to keep the bond of the, the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. God means for us to work together, unified by the Spirit. And there are a lot of things today that cause disunity among people. Their, their background, their skin color, their language. But if we have the Holy Spirit of God working in us and through us, God can work in and through all of those things and put some of those things that tend to divide us aside and rather we can find unity in the Spirit to serve God together. We are better together than apart. I think we would agree with that and have experienced a lot of that over this past year is because so many have had to be apart due to health concerns. It's been very difficult on the mental and, and even physical state of many people. We are better together. Ecclesiastes tells us that a, a threefold cord is not easily broken, right? People working together in harmony and unity can be a great thing. But boy, that requires the help of the Holy Spirit to work together, doesn't it? Because inevitably, when you put people together, there become rubs. Friction takes place. And the Holy Spirit helps to bring the fresh oil, if you will, that keeps all the gears running smoothly together to accomplish the work of God. Paul said in Romans 15, 30, Now I beseech you, brethren, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake and for the love of the Spirit, that you strive together with me in your prayers to God for me. In just a few minutes, we're going to pray together. And just like Paul wrote to the Christians at Rome, I would invite you to strive together with us in prayer for our friends and family and co-workers that are on these cards on the wall. For the, I've got the list. We pass them out tonight for the other needs and requests, for those who are hurting, for those who are sick, for those who have needs. Let's strive together in prayer to God. In Philippians 1.27, he says, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs that ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel we are unified together in the holy spirit why to be able to get the gospel out do you remember what jesus did when he sent his disciples out he sent them out two by two why because we're better together when the church was begun there in acts there was a group of believers 
together in prayer, in unity. We looked at that several weeks ago in our study in Acts. It is God's desire for believers to be unified in the Spirit to accomplish the work of God. Unity takes work, and it takes the work of the Spirit. A.W. Tozier said, You may have electricity supplied to your home. I don't think may. You all have electricity supplied to your home. Back when he wrote it, not everybody did. But if your walls have broken wiring, the electrical fixtures won't work. Some of you have experienced what that's like. The lights won't turn on and the appliances won't work unless the wiring is properly connected to the power source. The power may be available and ready to do its work, but broken wiring will render the power useless. Unity is necessary among the children of God if we're going to know the flow of power to see God do His wonders. The Holy Spirit's power is real. It is available. But as Christians, if we're not all wired up together properly, if instead our our wires are broken, we're not communicating with one another, we're not praying with one another, we're not bearing one another's burdens together, we will miss out on the seeing the Holy Spirit's power working in and through us to accomplish the work of God. Listen to what God did in Acts chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. He said, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. Notice verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things in common. God gave them great unity. Unity. Teamwork. You've heard the saying, makes the dream work, right? And it is unity in the Spirit that helps us to accomplish the work that God has given for us to do. The Holy Spirit pleads for unity in believers. He said this in Philippians 2, verse 1 through 3, If there be therefore any consolation in Christ... If you know what it is to experience God's working in your heart to save you from your sin, if there's any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels of mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. You see his call to unity there? Why? Because we're unified, I almost said unitied, unified through the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves us from our sin. He's merciful to us. He's forgiven us. He says there's comfort of love. We all have experienced the comforting love and presence of Jesus Christ if you've been saved. And the presence of the love of the Holy Spirit who is with us to guide us and to help us. So we ought to be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. And what does that look like in a church? It's people that aren't doing things through strife, trying to fight with other people, or vainglory, just false pride, trying to show off. This isn't a place to show off. No, this is a place to come and to serve, 
to serve your brothers and sisters in Christ, to serve those who don't know Christ so that they might know the love of Christ. The book of John tells us that as others look at believers, as they see our unity in Christ, that ought to point them to Christ so that they would want to receive Christ as well. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. So why does the Holy Spirit do all of this? I know this is a little bit long tonight, but this is our final point, and I'll move quickly through it. The Holy Spirit does all of this because the Holy Spirit exalts Christ. That's number five in your notes. The Holy Spirit exalts. He lifts up Christ. It's all about Jesus. John 15, 26, Jesus says, But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, He, the Holy Spirit, shall testify of me. Jesus also said in John 16, 14, He, the Holy Spirit, shall glorify me, for He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. What is man that God is mindful of us? We are nothing. Why does God care about us? We are nothing but dust. What an overwhelming thought that God desires to magnify His Son, Jesus Christ, through us. God desires to use you and me to lift up and exalt the name of Jesus. And He does that as His Holy Spirit works in and through us to accomplish what God has called for us to do. In Acts 4 and verse 13, it says, Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled and they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. When people look at your life, when they hear your message and what you're sharing and what you're doing, what your example looks like, do they see you showing off your strength, your ability, your knowledge, or do they look and say, wow, they must have been with Jesus. Something has changed. Their message is different. Their their energy is different. Their love is different because of what Christ has done for them. Paul said it this way in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The reason you feel weak and inadequate is because you are. I am unable to do everything that God wants me to do. But that's not an excuse for us to just sit back and say, Oh, well, then let me just go do the things I can do. Rather, it's an opportunity for us to humble ourselves before the Lord and say, God, I can't do it. I'm not enough. I can't be good enough. I'm never going to be smart enough. I I don't have enough money to accomplish it. I I don't know all the right people because it's not about me, Lord. It's all about you. And like Isaiah said, When he saw God high and lifted up and he said, Woe is me, for I am undone. He said to the Lord, Here am I, Lord. Send me. Lord, use me. I'm yours. You're everything to me. Take me. Fill me. 
and use me for your glory. I want to be a person that's giving glory to God. That when people see me, see my life, they don't say, wow, look at him. Rather that I could point people to Jesus and say, no, look at him. Look at what Jesus has done. I believe a church is a good church. When people come here, they say, wow, look at this group of people that love one another and love God. Something's happening here. Something's different here. Because God put us here to exalt Jesus. And He's given us His Holy Spirit to equip us for service so that we might together lift up the name of Christ. The serving ministry of the Holy Spirit. As we finish tonight, I'd ask you to just take some time in your own heart to pray and to consider, Lord, am I doing what you want me to do? If there's an area that I'm not Doing something that you want me to do, Lord, show me, and then please help me to do it because I probably don't have whatever I need to get it done in my own strength. I'm going to need your strength. And then I would encourage you to share that with somebody else, maybe with your spouse, maybe with another friend. Feel free to share it with me. I'd love to pray with you about it. And then we can work together to see how we can help you as a church, as a body, to grow, to serve, to follow the Lord in that area and to trust Him. May we all be sensitive to the leading of the Spirit in our lives to fulfill what God has called for us to do. Let's pray. Lord, help us tonight. As we look at the work that You've called us to do, it's beyond what we're capable of doing. And the first question that comes to mind is, why, Lord, why us? Why not somebody with more talent, more ability? And yet as we sit around and wait for that person, Lord, Jesus Christ Himself said, the fields are white unto harvest, but the labors are few. Lord, You're calling each one of us to be in Your harvest and to be about Your work and to be fulfilling the ministry here in our community and in this world around us. Pray that you'd work in our midst tonight, in our own hearts, in each one of us, and convict us and challenge us. And then may we humble ourselves before you to do whatever you've asked us to do and ask you, Lord, we need your help and we need your strength. We cannot accomplish it alone. In Jesus' name I pray.